All right, well, let's jump into our message for today. We are picking up a new, and we're starting a new sermon series today entitled Wind and Fire. Everybody say Wind and Fire. So we're going to be talking about this. Now, last week we finished up our prototype series, and we talked about having a heart for the move of God. We talked about seeing people come to know Jesus. We talked about just all the different things we were talking through there and the passage of Acts we were basing on. We were talking about heart for the move of the Holy Spirit. And I was just really stirred in that. And as I prayed and asked what I actually was planning to go a different direction. I had an idea on where I thought we might be going for the month of November. And it was, I mean, it was a good topic. There was good things. But I really felt like we just needed to take more time to lean into talking about the move of the Holy Spirit. And talk about hunger for God. And hunger for the things of God. And what he wants to do. And so we're going to spend this month just focusing and going deeper on having a heart for the move of God. Having a heart for the work of the Holy Spirit and believing God that we're going deeper in the work of the Spirit. Amen. And so we're going to believe in that. We're going to talk. And here's my prayer. My prayer this month, number one, is my prayer is that our hunger for the move of God will grow. Everything starts with hunger. Everything starts with us asking and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So everything starts with a hunger. And I pray that there will be a hunger that God is just growing in each one of us for a deeper move of his spirit. Number two, I'm going to be praying that the water levels will just continue to rise in our church. What do I mean by that? We don't just want to have a few people here and maybe a person over there really get touched by God. But when you (coughs) talk about the water levels rising, you're talking about something that's influencing and impacting everyone. Just picture, it's like in Ezekiel, it talks about the river of God, and it just talks about getting deeper and deeper. It's like there's there's the waters of the Holy Spirit, and if it's at our ankles right now, we want it this month to start to rise, and that we go even deeper in that. And so I'm believing for that. Number three, my prayer is that every one of us will have personal encounters with God, that we will meet with God in a way this month that stirs us, that, that sparks some things in us, that changes us and transforms us. And so... Um, you know, we, we've been talking about Acts 2, 42 to 47 since the start of December. So, excuse me, the start of September. And we've been talking about this passage. And so as I prayed about which direction to go, especially if we're talking about the deeper move of God and the deeper move of what he's doing, what really set on me was I thought, you know what, we really probably, if we're talking about the end of the chapter and we're, maybe we want to go back to the start of the chapter and see what happened that created the environment for everything that happened at the end of the chapter to happen and go on. So what was it that was a catalyst for this move of God? What was it that really stirred these things up? And if we can go back and we can prayerfully look at that and we can prayerfully consider that, then the Lord can speak to us in more ways about all the things we're believing for. We're talking about prototype and we're talking about all these essentials. But what started it there, because that will give us some clues and I'll give us some insight on what God wants to start in us in a fresh way now. And so I want you to turn with me to Acts 2, and we're going to start at the beginning. We're actually going to read a little longer today, but I always do like how we've been reading the word of the Lord together. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I mean, I know we had to stand, sit down. The pastor said we made people stand up and sit down. But let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Acts 2, 1 to 8, then we're going to jump to 12 to 21, and then to verse 41. It'll be on the screen behind you. I always read from the English Standard Version. Let's read. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all sitting together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from under every nation under heaven. And at the sound the multitudes came together, And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others mocked, saying they are filled with new wine. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we've had a wonderful day so far, but as we have an opportunity to spend a few next moments in your word, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to illuminate the scriptures to us, to speak to us, to reveal Jesus to us in a fresh and real way. Lord, I thank you that each one of us, that our eyes are open to see what you want us to see, our ears are open to hear what you want us to hear, and our hearts are open to receive what you want us to receive. Lord, I thank you that not only are we going to hear this word, but we are going to do this word through your power and your strength. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, amen. amen. You can grab a seat. Thank you. I know I kept you standing there for a little while, but it's a good passage to read through together. And I like that engagement that we have together. Several things I want to just point out from this passage. Obviously, there's so much here that we could talk about. First and foremost, I want you to say this passage is where everything began for the church. Uh, there was things that build up to it and things that led up before, but this, this is where everything, this is, this is like ground zero. This is, this is where everything began. This was God's master plan. Jesus had said to his disciples and declared, and we see it in several of the different books, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Jesus had declared he was going to build this church. He talked about advancing and bringing forward the kingdom. And everything led to this point now where we see what happened with the Holy Spirit being pulled, poured out. This was not just by happenstance. This was not just an accidental, coincidental type situation. God's going, oh, wow, look, look what happened, Jesus. Look at that. No, this was God's plan. This was God's intention. This was God's master plan. That the church was begun... And what led to the move of God that we see later in Acts chapter 2 by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It was by the power of the Spirit that God's plan that his church would be built. It would be built through. That's why when you look at the book of Acts, and often you'll see in the subtitles in your Bible, it says the Acts of the Apostles. Well, many Bible scholars will tell you that's technically not the right name. It should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because there was the apostles, but there was many others who moved and flowed and did it. But it was all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And family, what I want to encourage you and what is stirring in my heart is the church began in the power of the Spirit. God actually set it up and said, I'm going to build through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet so often today as Christians, as churches, we are not building and moving and operating in the power of the Spirit. We are not moving and flowing with the Holy Spirit. We are doing things our own way. We are doing things in our own strength. But that was never God's design or intention. And one of the things that I've actually been quite convicted about, and I've been searching my own heart, is how often I do things in my own strength instead of relying on the Holy Spirit. How often I try and do things by myself. I don't even mean to. It's not like many times, like, no, Holy Spirit, I got this. I just, I just get it. I just do it. I think there's many times I don't even realize that his power could actually assist me in this area of my life. And so there's this stirring in our hearts to go back to the basics of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you today, maybe the same thing apply to you. Are you doing a lot in your own strength? Have we put the Holy Spirit in a box and said you fit in here when actually he's supposed to be in everything and everywhere? And could this be a season where we, we stop trying to put him into a box? I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous things you could even think of anyways. But yet we do it and we see it in just this little area instead of saying, no, Holy Spirit, your power is for everything and in everything. The second thing that always jumps out to me is the passage I want to mention again. Notice again, I've said it before, but notice that the church began in a prayer meeting. 
The church did not begin in a strategic planning meeting. Jesus didn't say, go to Jerusalem and get together and strategically plan how you're going to take over the world for me. Now, I'm not against strategic planning. I believe the Holy Spirit can work through strategic planning. But the church began in prayer. The church did not begin in a worship meeting. Now, I love worship. I love praise. I've been preaching to you about it over these last several months. I'm not taking away from it. But remember, it started in a prayer meeting. The church did not even start in an evangelistic meeting. It started in a prayer meeting that was then filled with the Holy Spirit that led to an evangelism meeting. And so often we are leaning or depending on all these different things and they're supposed to come through the power of the Spirit and through the power of prayer. I love the picture here. We talk about even the title for our topic this month, Wind and Fire. We see that when the Holy Spirit manifested, there was this mighty rushing wind. I think I said about something last week. When I get to heaven, I want to go to the movie room. I want to see what did this look like. I mean, I, I, I don't. Maybe it's having to be almost like maybe like one of those holographic Star Trek things. You can actually like be in the middle of it, you know, and just see. I don't know, but I want to. See, what did this like? But this mighty wind comes through, and then there's fire that comes and alights on everyone. And these are two very clear biblical symbols of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is like a wind. The Spirit is fire. But I love it because it's, it's action, it's motion, it's activity. We're not talking about dead space. But when the Holy Spirit begins to move, there's stuff that starts to happen. How many of you have ever been in a, a real powerful windstorm or a, a thunderstorm before? I remember when we were kids, we had a cottage. My parents will remember this. We had a cottage uh, that my grandparents owned. We're on an island in the middle of a lake, and it was great, you know, growing up in the summers, we'd be on the island. And I remember even as a, I was probably very young, uh, but we had one time where almost like this massive, massive windstorm came through. And it, it was terrifying. I mean, we're talking, we're not just talking about like tonight, so we're talking a howling wind, trees were falling everywhere. I don't remember if a tree, like some of our trees fell on the property. No trees went down, thinking we were praying. But branches and all this stuff, I mean, it was, it, it was, it got your attention. It's like the power of the Holy Spirit, the wind, the fire. And we see that in this passage. We're going to talk more about this this month. And you know, what really struck me, if we want to live out Acts 2, 41 to 47, 41, 3,000 got saved and were baptized, 42 to 47, all the things we've been talking about for the last couple months. If we want to live out Acts 2, 41 to 47, we better make sure we're living out Acts 2, 1 to 4. Sometimes we want 2, 41 to 47, but we skip over Acts 2, 1 to 4, where they were filled with the Spirit, where they were touched by the fire of God, where the wind of God blew through their lives and transformed them. This is the heart when we talk about a deeper move of the Spirit. It's will we be believers, will we be a church that lives in Acts 2, 1 to 4? Let's unpack a little bit more of what, what actually was happening here. You want to look with me at John 16, verse 7. This is Jesus talking. It's, it's at the Last Supper, Acts, uh, John 13, right through John 17. It's just Jesus. It's one of the largest recorded messages of Jesus. It's that and the Beatitudes. So sometimes you read these, you just, like picture, go through that, those chapters and sit down and say, okay, this is Jesus preaching a sermon. We like to listen to a whole bunch of other people. Hopefully we listen to Jesus. And we listen to his sermon. So he's talking in 16, verse 7. He says, that, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, full stop. Let's just talk about this for a second. The disciples must have been looking at Jesus like he was crazy. Because he's talking to them. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, first and foremost, remember, we have the advantage of knowing the whole story. But I'm sure for the disciples, they did not have in their mind, Jesus is going to walk with us three and a half years, then he's going to be crucified, he's going to die, he's going to rise again, he's going to ascend into heaven. They thought this was for the long term. Their picture was Jesus is going to set up the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is going to rule and reign as a king, that's what they thought. So they had no conception of this just being a three and a half year journey. They were committed for the long haul. But then Jesus starts talking about leaving. And not only is he talking about leaving, but he tells them, it's actually good for you that I leave. You ever had somebody tell you something and they're convinced it's a good idea and you're looking at them going, this is not a good idea. This is not good. Parents, 
Your kids are trying to tell you something. You're like, no, this is not good. You know, but especially as they get older, you got to learn to just, okay, let it go. Maybe, maybe not. You kind of figure out where. But Jesus is talking and he's saying, listen, it's actually good for you that I leave. It's good for you that I go. Well, why Jesus? I mean, you, he, walking with Jesus, he, he's God in the flesh. If we need to understand something, you'll make it plain. If somebody's sick, you'll heal them. If we need food, you can multiply the loaves and the fishes. If we get stuck in the middle of a storm in the lake, you can rebuke the wind and the waves. If somebody dies, you can raise them to death. How could it possibly be better that you're not here? But watch what he said. He said, because if I go... I will send the helper to you. If I don't go away, the helper won't come. But if I go, the helper will come. Jesus said if he left, he'd send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so the point of my message today is not to do a teaching necessarily on the Trinity, but the Bible teaches us very clearly that God is one, but he is also three. He's God the Father, God the Son, and he's God the Holy Spirit. And up to the point of Jesus, again, revealing himself, there was not this understanding of God the Son. This was, that was a new concept. And God the Holy Spirit. This was a new concept. So they didn't even understand it. But Jesus said, listen, I know you don't believe me right now. But if I leave and I go away, it's going to be better for you. Because then the helper is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And he is going to come with you. And he is going to help you, support you, stand by you, be your aid. The Greek word for this is paraclete. As Pastor Norma and I were discussing between sirs, parakletos. She says, I sound more, it sounds better even when you say it that way. I agree with her, it's right. But it's this Greek word, it's, it's not just like, it's, it's this word that means help, support, stand by. Basically anything you could possibly need, he's here to give it to you. And so there's this picture of he said, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 45 to 49, this is something else he said. Just before he ascended to heaven, he said, then he opened their minds under the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now watch this, this isn't interesting because we were talking last week about the Great Commission. And you can see it here in this passage, Jesus was saying go, right? Go into all the nations. Go and preach the gospel. Go and declare repentance from sins my name. But watch it, he said, but before you go, make sure that you wait. See, we often miss that. We say we need to go. We need to go and fill the Great Commission, and we do. We need to go with the love of Jesus. Yes, we do. We need to go and make an impact. We need to go into all the world. And that is completely correct. But what we miss sometimes is, yes, he told them to go. But first, before he told them to go, he actually said, you need to go and stay in the city. Stay first until what? Until you are clothed with power from on high. Then when you have received the power, you can go. But yet, how many of us are trying to go, but we do not have the clothing of the power? Let's keep looking at this a little bit more. Acts 1 verse 8 speaks of another angle of this where he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see this again. There is power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But he said, wait until you're clothed with power, then you need to go. And family, there is so, I've just seen that, even as I'm speaking to you, clearer than ever before. God has called us to go. God has called us to do great things in his name. God has called us to do great things for his kingdom. God has a great purpose and plan for your life, but he never intended for you to go until you first stayed and were clothed with power from on high. Then you could go and do what you called to do, but too many of us are trying to go. We are trying to thrive. We are trying to do what we need to do, but we're doing it in our own power. We're doing it in our own strength instead of doing it in the strength of the Holy Spirit and so we're always struggling getting burnt out falling short why because we first got to learn to stay and once we stay and we're clothed with power then we can go everybody say stay everybody say power everybody say go we are called to go family but God is first saying so and will you stay will you let me clothe you with power because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's an interest, uh, there's a difference, I've learned this, between the Holy Spirit within you and the Holy Spirit upon you. 
or if I can break that word down even more, the Holy Spirit up on you. You receive the Holy Spirit into your life when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Sometimes, you know, charismatic, non-charismatic, Pentecostal, non-charismatic people, oh, you don't have the Spirit, oh, you have the Spirit. No, if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be born again without the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of you. But there's something else that God wants you to step into where the Spirit is not just within, but the Spirit is up on you, where you are clothed with power. And too many believers, we are settling for living with the Spirit within. I'm born again. God's with me. He never leaves me. And those are all awesome things. But God says there's more. I want you to learn how to live with my power upon you. I want you to learn to live with being clothed with power on high. And family, if I could you know, just bring into words my prayer for us in this season is the spirit is within, but we need the spirit upon because when the spirit is upon us, there is power to be witnesses. When the spirit is upon us, there's power to stand against sin. When the spirit is upon us, there is a boldness to do what God has called us to do. And God is saying to us, today he's saying will you allow my spirit to be upon you and not just within you because you know when the spirit's within you you can kind of box them in and you kind of you're still in control of stuff and holy spirit you know and really you can't we just think we can but god is saying will you allow my spirit to come upon will you allow me to clothe you with power from on high you know i was saying this earlier but i believe too many of us we're trying to do things in our own strength and we don't even realize it because we're so used to just doing it that way. We have no difference, but God's saying, I want to clothe you with power. Not just Pastor Brendan, not just Pastor Sharon, not just some real spiritual people. You know, the people you kind of look at, well, yeah, they look like they're really. No, God says, I want to clothe you with the power of my spirit. I want my spirit to be upon you. In Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist prophetically said this. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than thy. His sandals, I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What does it mean to be baptized? Excited for baptisms next week. I'm looking forward to it. The Greek word, it's very simple in one level. It literally means to submerge, to immerse, or to dunk. I saw a funny meme recently, one of those little Instagram, whatever, Facebook ones. There's this kid on the phone. They said, you're not going to believe what happened this past night. It's a little baby. So not the kind of baptism we do. They said, my parents took me to church, and this man in suit held me underwater. And he said, and all my parents did was took pictures and cheered. You're not going to believe it. Right? There's this, you know, this, this job. But when you talk about baptized, it means you are completely submerged. You're immersed, and if we look in the book of Acts on that day when the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire. I mean, anybody, anybody go back? I mean, I, I reference this so, somewhat often. Anyone grew up in church in the 80s with our felt boards, felt board Bible stories? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you didn't grow up in the 80s in church. You're kind of, what the heck are you talking about? But we, we, it, was, it was like, it was, it was high-tech Bible school. You had felt boards, and you had biblical characters. You stick on the felt boards. Just go Google it. You'll find it. I'm sure they're out there now and they're worth money or something. And I always remember because you have this picture and they'd be there, the book of Acts, and there'd be these little fire flames kind of just on top of their head. Anybody see that? It's just like the flame kind of on top of their head and it's just there. No, the boss says the, the tongues of fire came and rested on them. It's actually this picture of literally being baptized in fire. They were surrounded by fire. But that's what God says. I want to baptize you in fire. That's what he said Jesus is coming to do, to baptize us with the Holy Spirit in fire. And yet how so often are we just living with the Spirit within instead of living in this baptism of fire? Let's look at Acts 4, 13. This is when the, one of the first major miracles in the early church. Uh, you know, one of the big ones anyways that's listed in Scripture, the man who was lame since birth. You know, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he got up and rose up. And so it says, the religious leader called them in. And they were trying to kind of cuss them out about it. But verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed stand beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. For when they commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. 
But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, what, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen or heard. It's another variation of it or translation that we are going to obey God, not man. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punishment, punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they, rele- when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the peoples plot in vain? The kings there set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan is predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they're gathered together was shaken and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I mean, I guess some of you say, why are we reading through these long chapters? There's a power in the word, man. I just, sometimes I just read the word over you guys. It's gonna do a work even by itself. But, but watch this. First of all, it says they were astonished they recognized they'd been with Jesus. Now, quite often, I'll preach this passage. Others will. I think it's a good application. They recognize they've been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, when you have relationship with Jesus, it just levels you up to a place you can never get by yourself. And there's going to be an anointing on your life that people are going to recognize because you've been with Jesus. But as I was reflecting on this as well, I really started thinking they've been with Jesus, but they had been with Jesus, but they currently were empowered by the Spirit. And the reason they were speaking with boldness, the reason they were speaking with confidence and fire was because of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives at that time. That's what Jesus said, I'm leaving. So they had been with Jesus, but they were currently filled with the Spirit. And in the same way as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an anointing on our lives that takes us places that we could never go ourselves. And it empowers us in a way that we can, and God wants you to walk in this power. It's right there for us, but yet how many of us, instead of, you know, it's, it's almost like, how, how would I say, it's almost like, you say, I want you to be clothed with power, and this is my power, and he says, here it is for you, just spend time with me, be in my presence, release your face to human clothed power, and how many of us just put that aside and just try and do it in our own strength? Because we don't take the time to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I want the power that you want to clothe me with. I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore. I want to be clothed with power from on high. Yes, I'm going to go, but first I need to stay and be clothed with power. What I love about this too is it says, and seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. You know one of the reasons why this power of the Holy Spirit is so important? Because you can't argue with power. You can argue philosophy, you can argue theology. Well, the Bible says, well, my science book says, well, this person says, well, that person says. I mean, whatever somebody said. But when you've got a man who's lame since birth standing there beside you who Jesus healed, there's nothing they could say. They didn't even want to acknowledge it. They still were trying. I mean, it's crazy when you look at it. They said, wow, yeah, it's totally healed. This is a sign. Okay, we've got to figure out some way to shut them up because we can't argue against the sign. But that comes not from our power, our strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power. Everybody say the power. We need his power and his empowerment in our lives. The third thing that knows from this was this instrument where they said they, 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 were, they were putting pressure on them. Later on, they beat them. They took the boy, they started killing them. And sometimes we can look at some of the things in the world and we can wrestle a bit, say, man, what if I really have to take a stand for my faith? What if I really have to take a stand? What if things reach a certain point? Well, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a boldness. And Jesus said, in those days, don't even worry what you need to say or what you need to speak. For my spirit will give you the words to say. But see, we've got to cultivate a lifestyle. Sometimes we make this mistake. We're living our own power. We're living our own power. Then all of a sudden, something really hard happens. Well, okay, Holy Spirit, where'd you go? Let me figure out where did my coat go? I got to find you. It's too late. If you're living in the power, it's there for you and you just step into it. What I love about this as well is, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word boldness. So boldness comes from the Spirit. While you stretch out your hand to heal, healing comes from the Spirit. Signs and wonders are performed through the name of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, signs and wonders come. All this is because of the Holy Spirit, guys. 
It's not because of us and it's right there for us. He's already within you. But he's saying, I wanna be upon you. Will you, will you hunger? Will you open up your life so I can be upon you? Verse 31, when they prayed, the place where they gathered together was shaken and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So there's, I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Were they filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2? But now they're filled again with Acts 4? See, this, this lets me in on something. The baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was not meant to be a one-time thing. Right? Sometimes we approach this, yeah, I remember back in 1999... At youth convention, I was filled with the Spirit. That's awesome. Have you been filled recently, though? Because I'm thankful for what God did back in 1999 at a youth convention. But what I've learned about the flow of the Spirit is that it tends to leak. And so you can have moments with it where it's actually meant to leak out of you and touch people around you. But we need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 4. And even if you read between the lines, they continue to be being filled. And we know this for sure because uh, Paul said this. Oh, you know what? Did I just... Uh, I deleted that scripture. I got excited. I deleted my scripture. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine with his debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Dr. Jim Feeney, Jim Feeney said this. Various Greek scholars and Bible commentators point out that the Greek present imperative tense is used in this verse. It has the connotation of a continuous refreshment or an ongoing state of being filled. So when the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit, actually in the Greek, it actually says be being filled. In other words, we need filling every single day. We need Holy Spirit every single day. We need Holy Spirit fire every single day. When you get up in the morning, you better put some clothes on before you walk out of your door, but you also better be clothed with power from on high. Why? Because the day and age we're in right now, you cannot do it in your own strength, and too many of us are suffering and struggling because we're going out fully clothed in the natural, but we're going out naked in the spirit. Why? Because we're not living with the power that comes on high, and God is saying, if you will just open Open your hearts up to me. I want to show you how to walk in a baptism of the spirit and of fire that brings power into your everyday lives. But it starts with us having a hunger and a heart for it. Family, we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Everybody say wind and fire. And it's amazing because it's not something that we can make happen. It's something that we humble ourselves and ask the Lord to do. But it is something that where there's hunger and where there's thirst. And when we start learning, I've been working on this and I'm, I'm not even doing it as well as I'd like to, Justin wants to come or the team whoever's here. But I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what does it look like for me to live in Holy Spirit power every day? And you know, a lot of things I realize that I struggle with, I'm probably struggling because I'm doing it my own strength. Because when the Holy Spirit's empowering me, there's an ease that comes to it. There's a boldness that comes. I struggle with boldness. Some of you might be a little shocked. Like, well, you seem awful bold on the stage. Yeah, I'm really bold here sometimes. But put me out in the streets sometimes. I'm introverted. I get nervous talking to people. I struggle with boldness. You know what I need? I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need more of him on me and not just in me. Right? When he's on you and not just in you, there's a dealing with temptation in your life. When he's on you and not just in you, there's a revelation and a wisdom that flows. I mean, we could, I, I might try and convince Pastor Sharon, see if I can get her up here one of the Sundays talking about, but the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow. Why? Because they're gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit flows. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. So often, I, I just got to learn to love more. Well, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe if I just get more of his baptism in my life, the love of Jesus starts to manifest more. Maybe we've been trying to do all these things that actually was meant for the Holy Spirit to empower us to do. But where will we lay down our effort and just say, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and fire? And on Monday, Jesus baptized me today with the Holy Spirit and fire. Tuesday, baptize me today with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this means there's got to be a priority. I can't do devotions once every eight days. Right, I can't, I, I've, got to, I've got to prioritize. I've got to learn to sit before him. But it's living this life of baptism. How many of you have heard of William Booth? Where's Ray? I know Ray has. His parents were in officers in the Salvation Army for years. Amazing. Men and women of God. William and Catherine Booth started the Salvation Army, and they started it in England. They started the Industrial Revolution. But most people have no idea how bad a state things were there. There was unemployment. 
there was abuse, there was alcoholism, there was prostitution, there was kids being sold. I mean, it was the society, child labor, slavery, all that, Salvation Army. And they just got this fire. They said, the gospel can change this. The gospel can transform this. That's what they called themselves the Salvation Army. They started something else, but they're in the opposition they would face. They'd go on the streets and be attacked. People would throw things at them. People would, it was death threats against their lives, but it just spread like wildfire. And what they combined was they combined the preaching of the gospel with the ministry to the needs of people. Because William Booth said, I, I don't find it works very well to preach people who have no food in their stomachs. So he says, I'm going to feed them, then I'm going to preach to them. But it is interesting. I mean, I was reading an article. They talked about William Booth. I mean, he'd do some crazy things. Like he found out there was a lot of abuses going on in these factories that are making matches. And it was really not good for the workers. Safety standards were not good. So they just started their own match factory. And they did the good standards and brought things up. And they got persecuted. They got attacked. Everybody tried to drive them out of business. They didn't even last. They ultimately had to shut the factory down. But by the time they shut the factory down, all the other factories had adjusted their standards to better standards. There was another time he got himself, almost got himself arrested because they started to discover that girls as 13 were being sold into sex slavery and sex trafficking. So they went undercover and they bought a girl themselves and walked out the whole process of who was doing what, doing what, and then saved her and pulled in the police. And, but then they got in trouble for, but this is the kind of people they were. But can I tell you as we close here today, can I, can I read you a hymn that they used to sing? This was one of their anthems. This is one of their songs, actually. Some of you remember Brownsville. It was kind of converted in Brownsville. So just for ease of reading, I'll, I'll change a small part. But it says, Thou Christ of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire today. Thy blood-bought gift today we claim. Send the fire today. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost. Send the fire today. God of Elijah, hear our cry. Send the fire today. To make us fit to live or die, send the fire today. To burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light and glory in. The revolution now begins. Send the fire today. Verse 3. Tis fire we want, for fire we plead. Send the fire today. The fire will meet our every need. Send the fire today. For strength to ever do the right, for grace to conquer in the fight, for power to walk this world in white, send the fire today. Fourth verse, to make our weak hearts strong and brave, send the fire today. To live a dying world to save, send the fire today. Oh, see us on thy altar lay. Our lives are all this very day. To crown the offering, now we pray. Send the fire today. And so, Father, we, just as a people, we come before you today. And as our brother and sister William and Catherine Booth would sing well over 100 years ago, as so many brothers and sisters in Christ have sang through the years, have prayed, have fasted, have stood, we, we, we just pray today. Send the fire. We don't ask in a lack mindset. We know it's right there. We know, but, but we don't just want the spirit in. We want the spirit upon. And I pray for just a fresh move of the Holy Spirit power that you baptize us in a fresh way with the Holy Spirit and fire. You baptize us as a church family. You baptize us as individuals. And if that's your prayer today and you're joining me and say, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I want the wind and I want the fire in my life. I just want you to stand up where you are and raise your hands to the Lord. Don't, and we're kind of in response time. Don't stand if you don't want it. Nobody will judge you for that. We're not here to try and look spiritual. I'm talking about our hearts. We're saying, I want this fire and the Holy Spirit fire in a fresh way. What does that look like exactly? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't pretend to understand and know it all. But I think what we're saying is we're saying, God, there's more. God, you're calling us deeper. And God, we want to see the power. We need 
not even want, it's we need the power of your spirit in our lives. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit. God, and we pray that even in this coming season, God, that we will see the wind of your spirit blow in this place. God, that we will see the fire of your spirit fall in our hearts, that there will be a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. God, that there will be a fresh baptism in our lives, that there'll be a fresh baptism, God. Lord, even as they sang, God, in that hymn, God, that we would see the fire, that you'd send the fire. God, that it will burn up every trace of sin. God, that it'll bring your light and glory in. God, we thank you for strength to ever do what's right. We thank you for grace to conquer in the fight. God, power to walk this world in white. God, see us on your altar lay. Our lives are all this very day. To crown the offering, now we pray, send the fire in our lives, God. And so we're here offering our lives as holy sacrifices. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray for every person who's tuned in online, even someone who's watching this weeks after it's been preached, but they're watching this on YouTube right now. And I declare the fire of God is falling on your life now in Jesus' name. And so Lord, we pray and we thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God to burn, and that we will see a move. God, that we will see a deeper move, that we will see a deeper move, not because of us, but because of you, not because of our strength, but because of the strength of your spirit. And so come on, just with hand raised right now, let's take a few moments here, and I just want you to open up your heart. Holy Spirit, baptize us today. A fresh move, a new move of the Holy Spirit. But just take a few moments here before we dismiss. just pray and sing this with me set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control I want more of you God I want more of you God set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control I want more of you God I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. 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 Come on, declare it. Make it your prayer. I want more of you, God. 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 So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. To hear in your love, hear in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. To hear in your love. Come on, 
on, set a fire, set a fire, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God, to set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And so, Lord, in this season, this is our prayer. Set a fire down in our soul that we can't contain, that we can't control, because we want more of you. Lord, more of you. And so we thank you, Jesus, for your work in us. Holy Spirit, I thank you for a fresh baptism of fire. And even this season that we will receive it, we'll walk in it in Jesus' name.